Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number two of the Bible 2021 podcast. Today, our focus is on the most important thing we need, and we're going to be reading Mark chapter two. Hope you all are doing well today. Welcome aboard to new listeners from Soviet Russia, Wellington, New Zealand, Uttar Pradesh, India, Oran, Algeria, Westphalia, Germany, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Lagos, Nigeria, Pensacola, Florida, and Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thank you all for joining us for Bible 2021. This is a daily podcast where we're going to dig into 10 minutes of truth from the Word of God basically by reading one chapter a day. Most days that's going to be from the New Testament. Some days it's going to be from the Old Testament or a psalm. And every day we're going to discuss the chapter we've read, point out a few important truths there, and hear some wisdom from spiritual giants from the past and from the present. Now, I know 10 minutes isn't a whole lot of time, but it does give us beyond a mere shallow reading of the Word of God, and I think it's a great way to start or end your day by focusing in on the Bible and God's truth from the Bible. Every month, we're also going to memorize one verse from that month's reading, and we're going to do that at the end of the show. Now, as I said yesterday, everything is still under construction here, but after a few hours of work today, our website, Bible2021.com, that's Bible2021.com, is mostly up and running. You'll get show notes or a transcript from every episode this year and a contact page, which I didn't have on the BibleReadingPodcast.com page, but a real live working contact page. So jump on over, hit that contact form, send a message and say hello. I love it when I hear from you all. I do note that the page is still a very much a work in progress. And look, I'm not a WordPress or graphical expert, so don't expect it to be an award-winning thing of beauty. In the next couple of days, we will have a downloadable PDF of our reading plan for the year, and we might even have an app eventually, so maybe stay tuned for that. One bit of reader feedback from episode number one that we've already gotten from our friend Where What Ha, who says, Interesting observation by Mrs. Bible 2021 probably the first time she's been called that, the early church fathers, that is the disciples of the disciples, tell us why that is. Polycarp, a disciple of John the Apostle, tells us that Mark's gospel is correct and accurate, but not orderly. That is, it's not chronological. Matthew, we are told, wrote his gospel partially to clarify the order of events laid out in Mark, and of course to include other material that Mark did not know. The reason that Mark's gospel was not chronologically orderly is that Mark is reciting stories he heard from his teacher, Peter. Peter's teachings seem to involve many brief narratives, often outside of any larger framework within Jesus' life. He used short incidences to highlight important points that he intended to expound. On the other hand, many events in Jesus' life had the context built in, so when Peter spoke about the trial or the crucifixion or the resurrection, for example, it was easy for Mark to know where these fit within the narrative as a whole. So again, that's from where what, huh? An author and Bible scholar in his own right. If you want to send us a comment or question like he did, just go to Bible2021.com and do it or leave it as a comment on our YouTube page like our friend did. And great comment where, what, huh? So let's go ahead and read our passage, Mark chapter 2, 
Verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible, when Jesus entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway, and he was speaking the word to them. They came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? But, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Then, passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me, and he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. When the scribes, who were Pharisees, saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus told this, he told them, It's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and asked him, Why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the new patch pulls away from the old cloth and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost as well as the skins. No, new wine is put into fresh wineskins. On the Sabbath he was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to make their way picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest, and also gave some to his companions? Then he told them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So our focus verse for today is a bit strange because it is not a message said by Jesus or his disciples or anybody good, but rather the enemies of Jesus. And we read it in Mark 2, 7, where the scribes say, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, these scribes or scholars of the Old Testament word of God should have been allies of Jesus, but They, along with many of the Pharisees and the leaders of the Jewish people, actually opposed Jesus severely. They knew certain facts about God and his word, and they were very well learned, but they did not know the heart of God at all. So Jesus challenged these scholars very strongly in John 5. He said to them, You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. 
but you are not willing to come to me so that you may have life. This is a great danger, my friends. For anybody who is a pastor, minister, evangelist, church leader, Sunday school teacher, or theologian today, we can know certain facts and truths about God, but unless we are obeying his word and seeking his kingdom first, we will not know him. So why use a focus verse from the lips of Jesus' enemies? Well, because they nailed it. Have you ever accidentally done something made amazing, like made a perfect shot without even intending to? Well, the scribes did just that here. They rightly realized that nobody can forgive somebody of their sins except for God alone. And then Jesus turns around by healing the paralytic and shows these religious leaders exactly who he is. But stop and think about it for a moment. Jesus does something here that is absolutely stunning to us. It's so strange. So put yourself in the room with all of the people. You're sitting there listening to Jesus. You've heard this teacher does miracles and heals people. And all of a sudden, while he's teaching, there's this commotion above the teacher. It would be obvious and so slow. These guys didn't have a chainsaw, so I suspect that breaking through the roof would have taken them a long time and all eyes would be on the ceiling as people wondered what in the world was going on. And then you realize, wow, a severely ill man is being lowered down right in front of Jesus. And you and everybody else there probably is going to hold their collective breath because you think, I'm about to see a miracle. But then, in what has to have been really anticlimactic and disappointing, Jesus looks at the guy and forgives him of his sins. How shocked would you be to see that? Why would Jesus do such a thing? It's not like he's naive, right? He's the very opposite of that. He would know that everybody there, his enemies, his friends, his disciples, this man's friends, and the man himself, of course, all of them would want to see a healing. But Jesus forgives the man's sins first and then heals him. Why? Why would Jesus do such a thing? Well, let's get some wisdom from Pastor Tim Keller to help us understand. I would think some of the friends of the paralytic might have said, all right, good. That's always a good thing to be healed, but anyone with eyes in his head should see that our friend here has a slightly more urgent, a little more immediate problem. And Jesus is saying to them, no, he actually doesn't. Physical health, material prosperity, theres those are good things, but there's nothing more basic than a right relationship with God. Jesus does eventually heal this man, right? Neither in the Bible in general, nor Jesus in particular, teaches that the body is just like a prison house of the soul, that this life doesn't matter. None of that. But here, Jesus is saying that there is something beyond this life and health that is more important than anything. And if you don't connect to that thing that is more important than your life, you won't live life well. What you and I need more than anything else is a right relationship with God the Father, because our sins are forgiven. Well, that's why Jesus did what he did. It seems audacious, but it's proclaiming to us how important it is for us to have our sins washed away by him so that we can be in a right relationship with God and have eternal life. Well, one last thing to do. Let's review our memory verse for the month, which is Mark 1.15, and it says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. One more time. Mark 1.15 The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Well, friends, good day to you and Godspeed.